Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Amen. Come on, let's give God thanks for what he's done in their life. And, you know, it's also important, I'd just like to point out, that was before they were here, so it's not like the blessings of God are limited to just this church. Come on, they're the blessings of God, and we're glad to be part of his family, but the family of God is really big, and so I just want to stress and highlight that, plus I wanted to confirm it during the video because I asked him. I was like, I don't think we knew each other back then, or you weren't here, but uh, I just want to make sure and emphasize that. I know sometimes some people get weird about some stuff by some people. I don't mean you, I mean other people, but just wanted to highlight that, that the promises of God are true in his word, uh, and it's not like we're making this stuff up or writing it down. It's not the gospel according to Derek. Amen. And so we thank God for what he's done uh, in the Coleman's life and uh, yours as well. So we praise the Lord for that. Welcome to those watching, worshiping online. Great to have you with us. Uh, my name is Derek. I'm the lead pastor, and it's a joy to, uh, uh, well, I guess kind of close out this series, uh, Spirit and Power. Next week, as you heard, we're starting Promises for eight days. Uh, Holy Week, and then I'm going to jump back into the book of Acts that we were in before in the fall, talking about the church again, growing and going, what we see God doing. The Holy Spirit is still in doing people with power to go and be witnesses here, there, and everywhere. Amen. All right, so uh, if you have a Bible, 2 Kings chapter 5, if you're able, would you stand to your feet this morning? Uh, by the way, thanks for your consistent generosity. Uh, I was got a message yesterday from the vice president of Convoy of Hope. I don't know if you knew or not, but a big tornado went through Mississippi, brought a lot of destruction. One of my pastor friends, Jody Gurley, also sent a message. Uh, so because of our partnership with them, they're already on the ground, already helping. So I think it's awesome that uh, through our partnerships, we can help people. And you might not, might not have even known that you were helping people this weekend, but praise the Lord, you already did. So thank you for that. You can always mark extra gifts, but it's not the point of that. Just want you to know God's taking care of people and he often uses it through other people's generosity. Amen. All right. Second Kings chapter five, uh, I got 15 verses. So let me just read a few of them this morning. Then I'll read the other ones while I'm preaching. So you're not standing the whole time. I'll stand. You get to sit. Then we'll stand again at the end. All right, here we go. Second Kings chapter five. It says, now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, bands of raiders, uh, not Oakland raiders, not Los Angeles raiders, but bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who's in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Verse 9, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. 
Verse 14, so he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. By the way, I've skipped a lot of the more controversial parts. I'll come back to those when I'm preaching. He dipped himself seven times in the Jordan as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Titled the message, In Times of Need, Part 2. In Times of Need, Part 2. If you missed Part 1, that's okay. You should go back and watch it this week. But we're going to pray and believe God to do what only He can do. Father, thank you so much for the great gift of your son Jesus, who gave his life for ours, paid a price for our sin that we couldn't pay, made it to where we can now boldly approach your throne of grace with confidence. Your word tells us that we'll receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So Holy Spirit, we ask, do exactly that. Do what only you can do. Speak to us all. Help nobody leave the same. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Got those note sheet. There's five points. We got awesome healing testimony. And uh, then we're gonna pray. So uh, we talk a lot about faith here at Celebration. You might see it on a a banner on the wall, faith-filled and family focus. We talk a lot about faith, but I think it makes sense. It'd be a bummer to go to a church that was like anti-faith. You know, it might be just more like a social club, but I'm just saying like there are people, you know, what does the Bible say? Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it's impossible to please God. So like what a bummer to go to a church that from the jump can't please them. Okay, that's fine. But some of you are like, well, I, I don't know if I have enough faith to please God. I've got great news for you you do. I don't even know each of you. I don't know a lot of you. And yet what I know is that you have enough faith to please God. Now, some of you already are like, I don't know what kind of preacher this guy is. A Bible one. Let me read you another verse, right? Romans chapter 12 and verse three. In accordance with the faith God has given, distributed to each of you. So even now, on a day that we're going to talk about emotional, especially physical miracles, we read about this with Naaman, and we're going, oh, I need radical faith to be healed. I I don't necessarily believe that. I'm not opposed to radical faith. I'm just telling you I prefer obedient faith. Right? Like, I'm for books that talk about crazy faith. But if I had to pick, I'd rather you just have obedient faith. Like, I know we can celebrate, and a lot of times I ask, hey, it's fun to have loud faith. Ooh, faith filled. But even if it's quiet, if it's obedient faith, it's all you need to see God do a miracle in your life. I want to talk about receiving your miracle here today in times of need, point two. Okay, number one, part two, not point two, sorry. (laughs) Part two, point one. Now this will probably not be a popular point in some Christian circles, and I don't care because it's the Bible. Number one, you can have everything and still have a problem. 
Oh, I know that goes against some books that have been on the bestseller list, and it's not exactly a, a fun TV show. Nobody wants me to talk about that. But here we see in Scripture, you can have everything and still have problems. Like, look, look, look at the description. Look at all the accomplishments of Naaman's life. The diplomas and certificates on his office must have filled an entire wall. It says he was commander of the army of the king. How many people know if you're the king, you don't want a loser to command your army? I, by the way, I was, trying, I was going through a lot of adjectives or other words to say, and I settled on that one in that moment, okay? Uh, he was somebody. And he had done a lot of some things. Look, look at what else he said. He said he was a great man, not in the sight of his mom. A lot of moms think their son is great. This one, even his master said he was great. That's something. He was commander of the army of the king. He was a great man in the sight of his master. He was highly regarded because of great victories. He had Super Bowl trophies. I don't know. Just saying. Like, he, he had done stuff and people recognized that he'd done stuff. He wasn't just saying, I'm great. He wasn't just a self-appointed leader in the army. He had done stuff. He had the respect of other warriors. Not done. Says he was also a valiant soldier. I think we can safely assume Naaman had arrived. I'm pretty sure Naaman was on the guest list to the private party. I'm pretty sure Naaman had reserved seating at the ball game. I'm pretty sure Naaman could get a reservation at any restaurant. Now, some of you are like, did they have ball games and restaurants back then? No, I'm preaching. <laughs> According to earthly standards, Naaman had it all. But... He had leprosy. Some of us have been sold a bill of goods that if you just come to Jesus or if you just earn enough stuff, then you won't have any problems. But the truth is, Naaman had money, he had fame, he had victory, and he had leprosy. Why? Because accomplishments won't prevent you from trouble. You can't buy your way out of it. You can't vote your way away from it. But he had leprosy. He was a desperate man seeking answers because he had an incurable problem. He had leprosy. In that day, probably the worst disease that you could have. You'd be removed from your social circles. If you were walking upon anyone, you'd have to cross the side of the street. You'd have to yell, unclean. You couldn't be around anybody else. This physical need created emotional struggles too. There was no cure. You couldn't have any friends. In those days, a person with leprosy didn't have much of a future at all. 
It was a painful disease that carried both physical and social consequences. He would be alienated and ostracized from everybody else. All the while, his body would ache from a process of deterioration that occurred from the inside out, eventually causing loss of limbs. But he had leprosy. So don't put your hope in stuff. I I didn't say don't have stuff. This is not an anti-promotion sermon. This is not an anti-have a savings account. That's not any of those. I'm just telling you, don't put your hope in stuff. Don't find your joy in stuff. Why? Because eventually stuff fades. Eventually stuff wears out. Eventually stuff doesn't satisfy forever. And even if you have a bunch of stuff, Naaman is evidence that stuff doesn't prevent problems. Number two, this probably won't be very popular in today's secular society. So I'm just here to mess with everything. Number two, you can have nothing and still have a promise. She didn't have a whole lot going for her. This little girl in verses two and three. We live in a time where if you don't have the right advantages or the same advantages or what, it just seems like we're, we're telling people who can and cannot succeed and what you can and cannot accomplish and all. And I'm not, I'm not saying that we shouldn't take a look at some things. What I'm telling you though is you can have nothing and still have a promise. Look, look, look at what this is. I mean, it's verse two, verse three. Um, this is like a total reversal of verse one, a total change from point one. Naaman had everything, but he still had a problem. Then we see this girl didn't have anything, but she still had a promise. This girl didn't have much going for her. Number one, she was a captive. It said bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken her captive. Can we all agree that being in captivity is not nearly as successful or a formula for success as being free? It's not a trick question. There's no like aha moment. I'm just telling you, if you have the option to be in captivity or to be free, <laughs> strike number one going against her. Then what does it say? The next thing it says, she was young. Now, today, we might see that as a good thing, but in those days, the young were discounted and the old were emphasized. Our society's completely flipped now, by the way. Back then, they ignored, like, think about it, right? We can read in the New Testament when Jesus fed the 5,000, they didn't even count the women and children. It was 5,000 men and the others. Like women voting was not an issue. Women didn't even count like as a human. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just like they they weren't in the numbering system. Rights were tied to the husband. That's why all these things mattered so much. So so she was uh, in that day, uh, young was overlooked and the old was respected, revered. and, And now we've gone the other way. Now we discard the old and we only care about the young. Have you noticed that? We're, we're so attracted in this day and age to the new, the best, the brightest, the, this whatever's new. If it's been around, we don't want it. We don't respect the elders in our community anymore. We don't value the experience of others. It's just gotta be new. 
It was opposite. So for her, this was strike number two. She was not only a captive, she was young, which meant her opinion, her word, her voice didn't count. Strike number three, I grew up playing baseball. She had four strikes though, but she was a girl. Raiders had gone, taken captive, young girl. Uh Uh-oh. If you thought being young was bad, if you thought being captive was, she was a girl. And yet, like think about it in today's understanding. When we're always being told, if you didn't have the same advantage or you don't have, I'm just telling you, you can have nothing but still have a promise. Then, Then it went on to say, and now she was a servant. She was an indentured servant. She was a slave. For all the things Naaman had going for him, she had none of them. And she was equally held back, captive, in bondage, no shot. But she had a promise. She had a word from the Lord. Look at this. It says, But she said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet, the man of God, he would cure him of his leprosy. Oh, I wish there was a few more people today who said, I might not have much, but I've got a word. I've got a a promise from God. I may not have the advantages that society says I need. I may not have everything that I wish I had. I may not be in the place that I want to be. I might not have much, but I've got a word. I've got a promise from the Lord that I can stand. I got a little bit of obedient faith that says God is doing what only he can do. See, our world is filled with doom and gloom. Everything around us is bad news and sad news, but we need some people who are faith-filled, their faith that can't be deterred, their salvation that is secure, their hope that is eternal. We need people like this young girl, maybe with not much going for her, but somebody with good news to tell. She said, if you'll just go and see what God can do. Why? Because you can have nothing but still have a promise. Number three, this might make everybody mad. I don't know. It's just, here we go. You can't manufacture the miraculous. You can't do it. In a few minutes, okay, a bunch of minutes, you're gonna hear testimony from Carol, medically documented, not because that's what made her heal, but that recognizes the healing that has taken place, but you can't manufacture the miraculous. But how many people know humans always try to get involved. Let me read to you this text, verses four to nine. The Bible says, uh, verse four, Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king replied, and I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, with this letter, I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. Time out. The girl didn't say anything about the king. She said, you gotta go see the prophet. Why is it that we humans are so prone to adding our two cents to what God has said? They huddled up. They knew the promise and they added their plans to get his promise. 
Not how it works. Not back then, still not today. He goes on to say, as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? By the way, notice the dramatic tone about a dude with leprosy. Notice the severity of the situation. Leprosy was, in fact, a death sentence, and therefore the king is like, can I kill and bring back to life? What am I supposed to do with leprosy? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of leprosy? See, he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. And when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him a message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me. And he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Isn't it interesting that Naaman and his master, the king, were convinced that money and prestige were the keys to the supernatural? I think it's part of the human tendency that we kind of want what we have to be the key to what we need. And yet, it wasn't going to work because that wasn't God's promise. They placed their hope in possessions, and they put their faith in the wrong king. They had a promise to go before the prophet, to go to God, and instead they added their plan, and they were like, hey, let's do it this way. Why is it that we humans still to this day, thousands of years later, are consumed with adding our plans to God's promises? Like the word of the Lord through the little girl was clear. Go see the prophet. That's where you'll be healed. And they were like, we heard the word, but we know better. You're a girl. What do you know? You're young, obviously nothing. You're a captive. So thanks, but we'll take it from here. Have you noticed in our day that it's become popular even to say, I know what it says, I've heard what God has to say, but thanks, I'll take it from here. We're like, this is, this is true even for, from some pastors, some of, some of my colleagues, and we tend to say, well, well, God, I'll help you out. I'll make your message more palatable for people. What are we saying? I heard you, God, I read it, but thanks, I'll take it from here. And we add our plans to his promises and newsflash, it didn't work back then and it won't work still to this day. They were like, what does she know? We're the king, I'm the commander of the army, he's the king, we know better. And we humans to this day are continually prone to thinking we know better than God. You can't manufacture the miraculous. You can't give enough money to buy it. You can't do enough good stuff to have enough favor for it. You just believe and receive. You got to obey what God says. They went to the king, but they should have gone to see the man of God who represented the capital K king. (laughs) Like it was fine to see the king, but they went to the wrong one. And we see this 
in our day, I think especially here in our nation, in this land, why is it that we Americans are so prone to assuming that our help will come from the biggest and the strongest and the most intelligent and the most beautiful ones? Right? We, we, we look for this stuff and we, we, we miss what God is, is doing. I think that we're always at risk of missing the supernatural while we're looking for the spectacular. We run the risk of missing the supernatural when we're going, okay, we need these lights and we need this sound effect. And we Right? The supernatural is way bigger, way different, way more than anything Hollywood has produced, anything that our mind has even imagined. Don't miss the supernatural because we're waiting for the spectacular. What, what do we know? Paul said it this way, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 27. God chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. You can't figure this out. You, you can't control it. We've said it so many times before. God's not a cosmic vending machine. You don't put in a dollar, push E7, and get your bag of Cheetos. Your miracle today is not dependent upon a check you wrote or not. Big or small. You ought to be generous. You ought to return to the Lord what's his, but it's not how, you're not buying his favor. You're not getting together your shekels and whatever other things he got there, shekels and clothing and talents of silver, in hopes to buy a miracle. But we tend to think, friends, I remind you, there's no magic in the words that we're going to say, but there is power in the prayers that we'll pray. Because there's miraculous power in the one we're praying to. Number four, two more things to help us, and then we're going to hear testimony, and then we're going to pray. Number four, you can't follow your feelings. This is important. You can't follow your feelings. I'll remind you, feel your feelings, but don't follow them. (laughs) Verse 10, Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. I'd never been there. We're going next year. Many of you are coming too. A couple more spots if you want, but, but it's a dirty river. He said, go wash yourself seven times in the dirty river Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry. And he said, I thought he'd surely come out to me and stand and recognize how amazing I am. Maybe he's like, I don't know if you knew this or not, but I was commander of the army and I've done great in the sight of my master and I'm highly regarded and I've been given great victory and I'm a valiant soldier. (laughs) Elisha's like, hey, go tell him what's up. Naaman was like, don't you want to take a picture with me? I'm somebody. Elisha was like, no, I'm just going to do what God tells me to do. So he sent the servant, said, go wash yourself and you'll be restored. You'll be cleansed. And Naaman went away angry. And he said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. He had formulated faith. This is what I need, and here's how God's going to do it. I mean, like, let's not make fun of Naaman too much, because I know I'm not the only one here today that has given God three ways to answer the prayers that I've prayed. For those of you that are judgmental about the pastor, you're lying, because you've done it too. That's a human condition. We're so prone to, like, giving God our need, but then just, like, letting him know how we want him to answer our prayer. 
as if he needed our ideas or our help. He's like, oh, I'm taking notes. That's a good idea. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate that. Okay. I know I'm all, not, all wise, all knowing, but thank you. I, that helps me. I wasn't sure. Okay. Come on. <laughs> but even your pastor has done that. He said, are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, are they not better than all the waters of Israel? That was a fact, by the way. There was cleaner waters than Jordan. Like, it didn't make sense. If you're trying to get clean, why would you go to dirty water? That's one of the difficulties when we try to quantify everything in our intelligence to the thing, with the things of God. Like, there's some stuff that we can't really fully explain. And that's okay. One day we may learn more. One day we may have a higher understanding. One day we may have a different perspective. I love the way one uh, uh, ministry had said, you know, a lot of times people say that God's miracles are going against the laws of science, but really they're just following higher laws. And the example he gave is he said, for a long time, the law of gravity was the law of the land. And then we determine the law of thermodynamics. Is that the one where the airplane started to fly or is that a different law? Aerodynamics, thank you. That's what I meant to say. Appreciate that. Didn't share this illustration in the first service, obviously. <laughs> Gravity was still a law, but then when we learned about air that can go over the wing, there was now a higher law, and gravity is still in effect, but there's another law that helped us have a higher understanding, a different perspective, and gravity is still a law, but we can fly. I mean, not us, but airplanes can fly. <laughs> Something like this pastor just said, we could fly. I, it was a Freudian slip. I meant on an airplane. Leave me alone. Don't send me an email. <laughs> so here's the thing. We didn't understand what was going on, but we can see what's going on. So our job is not to explain everything. Our stuff is to believe what God is doing. So Naaman served, the Bible says, he said, couldn't I wash and then be cleansed? Look at this, the end of verse 12. So he turned and went off in a rage. Like, this is where we really see the intersection of emotional need and physical need. Like, Naaman had been sick for so long that it put him in a dangerous place emotionally, so much so that on the very verge of his miracle, he got his feelings hurt and he walked away. Have you noticed that when you're not emotionally stable, you can walk away from what you've been praying for for a long time? Like Naaman was there. He'd been praying, believing, went to see. He heard the word. I don't know. He believed enough to go there. And then he got his feelings hurt. And he was like, I quit. I'm out of here. Think about how illogical those feelings were. We're talking about him, not you. It's okay. But in a minute, I'm going to ask you to assess your own life, right? But think about it. Like he was so mad that he was gonna have to go dip in a dirty river. But like, I ask you, if you have leprosy, what does it matter if the water's dirty or clean? And how many people know if you don't have leprosy, you could take another bath the next day? <laughs> he was so close to his miracle and he worried about the exterior, the aesthetics of it. He got mad that he wasn't recognized for his position, his influence. He was mad that a servant of the prophet of God, he's like, that's too many levels removed. I'm more important than that. But friends, if you get healed of leprosy, how many people know he can swing back by the prophet's house the next day, ring on the doorbell, be like, guess who? It's me. Appreciate it. 
But like in the moment, his emotions were so jacked up that he walked away. He went away mad. Now, you ought to feel your feelings. Like you ought to, it's okay. It's not like this, this uh, you know, he didn't need to deny reality. Facts were the Jordan River was dirty. Right? This, you, you've heard me help you on this, but it's not like he goes, oh, the river is clean. The river is clean. No, you don't, it didn't matter how many times you repeat that, the Jordan River was dirty. It didn't matter, you know, so, so you, you can feel your feelings. You can be like, oh, I'm disappointed that he didn't come out. I thought it would happen. But don't follow your feelings so much so that you quit and you walk away. Stand on truth. What is it that God said? What is the promise? That's why I encourage you. You got to write down those things because there are days where your emotions, because the enemy's going to be working through, trying to get his way in, and you're going to be like, I don't, did God say, I mean, that's like the oldest temptation, work of the enemy in Scripture, Enemy talking to you, did God really say? Like, like by the way, I think that's still one of the primary uh, top things that we see in our land. Did God really say? Because if we can erode what he said, now all of a sudden we're free to follow our feelings all we want. Now, some of us, have allowed our feelings to derail us as well. We're thinking, oh, why would Naaman do that? But the truth is we've allowed bitterness to take root in our heart. We've allowed unforgiveness to remain in our life. And it's those feelings of I deserved better, they did wrong to me, whatever. We've allowed them to stay and it's kept us from freedom and the miraculous in our lives. Which is why we see so often supernatural miracles take place after repentance, after deliverance, after inner healing, after those things, when we remove the things of our life that we've been following that we shouldn't have been. And when we get free, when we vacate the enemy's influence in our life, good things from God begin to flow. Okay, number five, number five. In a minute, Carol's gonna come and give testimony, and then we're gonna pray. I want you to know right here in scripture, you will be blessed through your obedience. Now in a minute, I know uh, he was totally healed, but I just felt like the leading of the Lord. I want you to make sure that you have written down because it's the point. So it is written down for you that you know that there's blessing in your obeying. Sometimes we, we, we skip to the end and we're like, okay, there's blessing when I get my miracle, but I want to emphasize that there's blessing for your life while you are obeying and you've yet to receive what you've been praying for. Okay. It says, so he went down and he dipped in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back and they said, there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Now, I've heard many sermons on this passage of Scripture. I've heard many pastors pontificate that, you know, I'm sure Naaman thought about quitting after every time, and probably all those things could be true. I probably would have thought it myself. You know, you dip one time, you're like, this is crazy. Dip two, nothing's happening. Like, if it were me, I probably would have thrown him a bone and been like, each dip gets one finger better or something, you know? Like, let's inspire confidence in him. Like, way to go, Naaman, you know? Like, but I just know how I am. If I start a diet and I go three days and haven't lost a pound, I quit that diet. Because if I'm not going to eat pizza, I better lose weight. Sorry, Darren and Pam, a little vegetarian. I like how you guys snuck that into your testimony. Been knowing you for a while. You're like, oh, we're vegetarian. Why? 
never mind. That's not, that's not the word of the Lord today, okay? But we don't really know. And I want to just caution us. It's okay to wonder. It's okay to think. It's okay to ask God. But I want to caution us to coming to conclusions about things that we don't know. Okay? We don't know if he was mad each time he was dipping. It makes sense if he was, but we don't know. We don't know if everybody else was like, keep going. But, but what we know is that he needed some encouragement from other people. Go back one verse, verse 13. Name and servants went to him after he got mad. Remember, he was feeling his feelings. My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you wash and be cleansed? So what do we know? Community is important even when it comes to the miraculous. It's important to know who you're with. You got to be around people who are also faith-filled. Think about what would have happened is if Naaman's friends had been like, yep, give up on God. We're out of here. Some of you got people in your life and that's their response. You're going through struggle. You're going through prayer. You got to be careful about their voices in your life. Because when you're in your toughest point, you got to evaluate, what am I consuming? For some, you, you really might should think about cutting off a few relationships, cutting off a few news channels, cutting off a few websites. I don't mean bad ones. I mean news ones. I mean, I recommend cutting off the bad ones too, by the way. But again, not this sermon. <laughs> and there was people around him that were like, come on, let's go for this. Let's believe the things of God. Let's go after this. And, and because he didn't quit, because he listened to other people around him, he went back and he was healed. Here's what we do know. He wasn't completely healed until after he completely obeyed. So... Our job is not to figure out how is God going to heal us. Our job is to simply obey what he's told us to do. I can't ignore the reality of Scripture as Carol gets ready to come. I mean, she can come, but she's getting ready right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I'll take the mic. It's fine. She's coming up. going to share in a minute. It's not on? It is now. Um, she's going to share a testimony. Now, here's what I want you to know. Um, she had, it's a, a longer testimony, so be ready, but it's awesome. Um, I was watching a golf video yesterday. And because the March Madness tournament, all my teams are out. It's terrible. So I watched YouTube golf with my son. And I watched this UK golfer and he said something that I felt like was not what he was talking about, but I took note of it. He said, he was talking about a bad golf shot and he said, now this guy's not a Christian that I could tell his language did not glorify the Lord. So I could not watch it anymore. But he said, miracles come after disasters. And I was like, oh, so we're going to talk tomorrow about this. And I felt like, just letting you know in your spirit, I felt like as I was praying that perhaps like it could be a word of knowledge. And I believe there's, there's power for his healing today for accidents that have happened to you, a disaster. And, and miracles come after disasters. 
Now, what Carol's going to share here is a multi-year journey. She's a known commodity here. We were neighbors for like six years. I lived on your street, apparently. Yeah, you clarified that for the first service. You were like, you moved here. I've been here 30 years. Anyway, so we lived together, been in the church like two decades. People know Tom and Carol. Tom right up here is her husband. Carol's right here. And uh, wow, you didn't clap for Carol, but you clapped for Tom. What's up with that? I'm offended for you. I just want you to know that. And... Um, and uh, spoiler alert, like God's done a great work and now doctors have recognized it. So she's gonna share a bit of her story and then we're gonna pray. Now I'll mention to you up front, we're gonna pray for everybody to be healed. Not just one or two, be like, oh, okay, cool, we'll go. We're gonna pray for everybody to be healed and believe that that's what God's gonna do. Now some of you are like, well, what if somebody's not healed? Well, we still believe it's God's will to heal everybody. His word says that it's his will that none should perish. And yet we recognize that each day there are people who slip into eternity, having not surrendered their life to him. But it doesn't change what we believe, what we pray for, and what we expect in the supernatural sense to occur. So we're going to pray for that. But Carol, would you share some of your story? It goes back a few years, but what God has brought you through, where you are today, and we can celebrate what has now been recognized by the medical community, what God has done in your life. Thank you, Pastor. I want you to know that my God has been faithful to me all of my days. So going back quite a ways, I was broken. I had experienced a lot of bullying growing up by my family, by kids at school. And as I grew up, the bullying continued into adulthood. Now it included a couple pastors, not, not Pastor Derek. <laughs> hey, just like to clarify. <laughs> but it, taking notes. it included some pastors, some from this church, some from another, and other Christians. And when I was a child, I could mostly shrug off the bullying because I knew that I was destined for something special and to do something great for God. By the time I was an adult I had my, and had my kids, my confidence in this knowledge dwindled and fear took its place. I was afraid to get close to people because they would hurt me. This continued. And in 2014, I learned that I had stage four thyroid cancer. This cancer grows like dandelions. So if you pull a dandelion out of the ground and you don't get even the smallest little hair of a root from it, 10 more dandelions are gonna grow from that thing. And that's what this cancer did to me. <clears throat> Each time I went to the doctor, I learned that the cancer was much worse than what they had thought that the cancer was and that surgery was needed. The first knife fight that I experienced was six hours long. They sliced me from the back of my ear, down my neck, and across my throat. And they told me, we got it all, Carol. And I rejoiced, and I threw a party. After the surgery, I had radiation treatments, and the radiation treatments that I went through are different than most cancer patients. I swallowed a radioactive iodine pill that made me radioactive. I had to be isolated for one week. I had to know where my husband was at all times so that I could stay six feet away from him, even if he was in the basement and I was upstairs, because it can go through floorboards. Some of you people came and you helped feed me during this time. 
and I thank you for it. Six months later, I had more radiation, not making me radioactive, and more body scans. Only this time, the body scan showed that there was more cancer. We needed to get a biopsy. It was very difficult to do. My doctor had gone through three different radiologists to see if we could get a biopsy, and none of them would touch it with a 10-foot pole. They did not have the skills, so my doctor sent me to the Mayo Clinic. In 2015, a second surgery was necessary. This knife fight was just this right here. I had to teach myself to believe God and trust the process. You see, I've been a Christian since I was nine years old. I loved God. He talked to me. I talked to him. I knew his voice. I knew what the Bible said about healing. But I can stand here honestly before you and say that I didn't always believe it. And I didn't always believe it was for me. I was depressed and I was angry at God that I had to go through this, that he didn't come through to me, for me, in a quicker way and in a better way. I was so angry with him, I wouldn't talk to him for an entire week. Oh, I knew his presence was there. I knew he was like he was following me around the house. <clears throat> and one day, at the end of that week, I just let him have it. And I yelled at him, and I told him what I thought about him. And I let him know that I didn't know if I wanted to follow and serve a God that wasn't answering my prayers. And his response was to say nothing. But he wrapped me in his love. I had never before felt so much love. And I can't say that I've even felt it since, but I remember it. And he enveloped me in this love. And I had to say, just like the disciples who told Jesus, where else would we go? Only you have the words of life and godliness. I have no one else to go to but you, and I am yours forever. I have never, since that time, had a single doubt about who my God is, who I serve, and why I serve him. I belong to a gracious, loving Father who knows me. As a child, I have known him as my best friend, shield, and advisor. He talks to me, and I listen. <clears throat> when I was consumed with fear as an adult, I found it more difficult to hear the Lord. The dreams and visions and prophecies became faded as fear continued to grip me. But God heard my cry for help, and he rescued me. He gave me a vision where everything was dark as night. <clears throat> the ground was rocky and uneven. And there was one particular rock I remember that stood out among the others and a man standing on this rock. And in the rock was a sword and I saw the man grab the hilt of that sword, pull it out, raise it to the air as he said, it is finished. And he struck that rock 
And instantly from the crack in the rock came this light and illuminated all of the earth around it. And the Spirit of the Lord said to me, you will not die of thyroid cancer. Five years followed after that. I'd go to the doctor at the Mayo Clinic every year. They would do all of their blood tests, their scans, their... I mean, I went through so many tests that it's just ridiculous. <clears throat> every single year they would come back and tell me, well, cancer is still there. You still have nodes in your neck and you've got this two by three centimeter node in your mediastinum that's wrapped around your jugular and wrapped around your carotid and wrapped around your laryngeal nerve and we're afraid to touch it because in order to do that surgery we would have to cut open your sternum move your heart it will damage your lungs to about 80 percent capacity and your heart will be weakened forever after that and we don't even have the guarantee that we'll get it all so we don't want to touch it and there's no need to really touch it right now because it's not growing and it's not shrinking, it's just asleep. So for five years, I knew what God had said to me. And this is a word I really want you to grab onto. When Jesus told the disciples, we're going to the other side, they get in their boat and they're sailing. And a storm that's put fear in the very bones of these disciples. I mean, these are fishermen, they're used to storms, but this one was really a whopper. And Jesus is asleep in the bow of the boat and they wake him up saying, don't you even care that we're gonna perish? Wake up and do something. And Jesus looked at them and said, where's your faith? He calmed the storm, but those disciples missed out on an even greater miracle because Jesus walks on water and he doesn't need a boat to get to the other side. And I started to learn to trust and believe what God's word says. And I started to say, I'm the healthiest stage four cancer patient you're ever gonna meet. And many of you have heard me say it. The Lord spoke to me again. Fear was shrinking. And I read Exodus 23, 21 to 32. The words regarding wild animals really stood out on the page. So I knew that God had a word for me in this and that I needed to pay attention. It says, I will send my terror ahead of you and create panic among all the people whose lands you invade. I will make all your enemies turn and run. I will send terror ahead of you to drive out the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites. But I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals would multiply and threaten you. I will drive them out a little at a time until your population has increased enough to take possession of the land and I will fix your boundaries from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea and from the Eastern Wilderness to the Euphrates River. I will hand over to you the people now living in the land and you will drive them out ahead of you. 
Make no treaties with them or their gods. They must not live in your land or they will cause you to sin against me if you serve their gods and you will be caught in the trap of idolatry. I knew that I was not gonna be healed instantly, that it was going to take more than a year. But it gave me hope because I knew I was going to be healed. I knew it would be a long process. And so I asked the Lord, who are the wild animals in, the, in my life that would take over? Because I need to defeat them. I need to know how to fight them. Well, my wild animals were fear, pride, negative thoughts, insecurities, and that's just to name a few. So I started working on knowing who I am in Christ. I went back to my roots as a little child knowing I was destined for great things. I changed my diet. I sought help from the place called the Ministry of Reconciliation. I started reading my Bible every day. Instead of always talking to God, I started to listen and obey. And God responded greatly. Every year I went to my checkups expecting them to get the memo that I'm healed. Every year they were still in the dark about this truth. And let me tell you about truth. Facts are facts and they are variable and they change. The fact is that you could have brown hair now and then tomorrow go to the salon and now it's blonde. They're both facts. But God's truth is not variable and it does not change. You can count on it. On January 25th, 2018, God gave me Psalm 21. I encourage you to read all of it. But verse 10 especially stood out to me. You will wipe their children from the face of the earth. They will never have descendants. I knew God was speaking about the cancer nodes. They would be wiped out and never pop up again. For the past year, I have not felt well. I don't go by my feelings. I go by what God told me. I'm getting to the other side. I have been weak and low in energy. I was losing my hair and I was gaining weight. All of these things were familiar to me when I had cancer. I pushed on knowing truth was my guide. My husband and I decided to take a trip to Florida and I forgot my thyroid medicine, <laughs> which is kind of a big deal when you don't have a thyroid. It's, you need those hormones and it's, it's really important. So I had to wait three days before getting my, my thyroid medicine refilled down in Florida. And I got pretty weak while I waited. On January 24th of this year, I mean, my energy came back and I was feeling really good. And every single day I'm feeling more strength and it was great. And so I thought I'm gonna ride my bike with my husband and I'm gonna shoot a goal for 20 miles. I had never really ridden that far before and I was kind of excited to do it and thought it was a worthy goal. I felt good and I was so happy and I'm riding along, not really thinking about anything in particular except how great life is. And the Lord spoke to me and he said these words, the manifested healing you have been waiting for is here. 
right now. And I felt a shift. Immediately, I started praising the Lord, and I came into agreement with his word. I started praying over myself, saying, my mind thinks clearly and remembers everything important. My eyes see 2020. My nose smells and does not have any blockage. My ears hear perfectly. My throat and my mouth is not dry from the radiation. My thyroid is healed. My lymph nodes are healed. And I went all the way from head to toe, coming into agreement with God's word that says I am healed. I have to tell you that I have not felt this healthy and had this much energy since I was 30. It's like God has given me new life. On March 20th, this was just last week, folks, I saw my doctor after having my annual blood work and the CT scans of neck and chest, and my doctor wrote me a letter. I have the doctor report with me. It's short and it's sweet, and it says, I reviewed your recent imaging scan report. Your CT neck scan showed appearance of surgical absent thyroid gland and no abnormal or enlarged lymph nodes or nodules. And I thought, does this say what I think it says? So I talked to my doctor at my visit and I said, let's just park the bus right here a moment. <laughs> Does this say what I think it says? He says, Carol, there are no abnormal nodules in your body at all. They are undetectable. <laughs> the devil is a liar. And my God is truth. I believe him always. Even that big one that was right here is gone. And I'm free. My doctors finally got the memo. I am healed. I am whole at the emotional pain that I've had from my life from growing up being bullied is healed and I know who I am in Christ. <clears throat> and I want you to know I am not a cancer survivor because God doesn't want us to just survive. He says he gives us abundant life more than we could ever ask or think. I am a cancer thriver. Mm. Awesome, awesome. So in between services, she asked, if it, was it too long? What do you think? I think it's about right about the right length. Amen. Because I think it's important, Carol, that you've shared some of the low points, some of the history, some of the, I felt a word, but I hadn't seen it yet. 
I remember when you texted me on January 24th of this year, and uh, we just finished 21 days of prayer and fasting, and my faith was high. And I mean, just first response was, it finally happened, you know, because yeah. we've shared a lot of times together as neighbors and uh, here at the church. And But I said, well, when you get back, just get the exam to prove it, and then we can tell everybody. Because yep. I think it's important when you know you received a word from the Lord when he's done something in your life, you, you want to make sure you tell people of faith that will come in agreement with you, not just say, oh, well, you're just thinking that. You know, just think about that. Naaman needed people around him that was like, hey, this is what we're going to do. And then wouldn't you know, like, coincidentally, that this is the Sunday that we're talking about physical and emotional miracles, wouldn't you know it was six days ago on Monday that she got, went to the doctor, got the report. Like, we're not sitting on stuff for dramatic effect. Like, in three weeks, that'll be the time, Carol. We're going to let everybody know. <laughs> when she called me on Monday, I was like, ah, oh, bummed we don't have church today. We got to wait six days. <laughs> so we give God thanks for what he's done in your life. And we believe he's not, gonna, he's not a respecter of persons. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Carol. Amen. So we believe what he's done for Carol, he could do for us. You can see that report. I think it's amazing that we see that report. So I'm going to ask uh, pastors and prayer partners, if you would, begin to make your way up front. Well, I'm going to do like kind of typical for today. I'll give you like three or four announcements, and we're going to pray. Uh, if and when you need to leave, this is going to be your official dismissal. You can go. There will be buckets at the door. If you'd like to be part of Blessing Francophone and the start of this new church, you can get your kids. If you want to get them and come back, you can do that. But we're going to pray. And uh, we've got men and women filled with faith, and we're going to pray for uh, as long as you need prayer, believing that God will do what only he can do, believing for physical miracles today, emotional healing to take place. And um, we're not going to manufacture it. We're not going to manipulate it, but we are going to believe that, uh, as I said, God's no respecter of persons. So what he's done in Carol's life, he's done in a number of ours, and we're going to believe that this is going to be your day. Amen. Hey, if you're able, would you stand to your feet this morning? I'm going to pray. This will be our official dismissal. But again, we're not going anywhere. The team's going to lead us in this. And uh, you might want to stand in the gap for somebody else, but we're just going to pray. We don't have anywhere else to go. Nowhere else we'd rather be than right here in the presence of the Lord. And so we're going to pray together. Father, I thank you. I thank you for what you've done in Carol's life. We celebrate that total healing that's now been recognized. It's been evidenced through medical professionals. You'd healed her before that, but now that it's been seen by them, it's now a testimony of your kingdom coming here on earth as it is in heaven. For we know in your presence in heaven for all eternity, there'll be no sickness, there'll be no disease. So we thank you for what you've done. In this temporary moment, you've given us a glimpse of the eternal, O oh God. So we're asking now for good gifts of healing, grace gifts to be given to your children. Here in this temporary earth, would you do something supernatural that you would heal physically, emotionally? I pray especially for those that have suffered and, and those things are intertwined. We, we come against any attack of the enemy, that any ill word that's been spoken, any curse or demonic force that's come their way. We pray wholeness and healing on the children of the King. So God, we pray 
as we linger in prayer and even as those that need to go, I pray that you'd be glorified in everything that we say and everything that we do. But Father, we do ask today, would you grant these gifts to your children in need? And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, as the team leads us in a song, if there's a need in your life, would you step out? Let's just take a few minutes. Let's pray together for God to do a work here today. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.